Live from the Hall of the Mountain Queen, it's the Dockiverse Podcast, Episode 82, Red Red Swine. In this episode, we've got RPG prompts, a three-box pulp problem, and commentary. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Doc Cross, and I hope you've all had a good week. I have. The weather here has been very nice. It's good for gardening. It's good for walking my trusty dog, Yo-Yo. And it's basically good for just everything. Although we are right on the cusp of June here, and soon it's going to be hotter than hell. One thing that's also hot is the passion with which my wonderful patrons over on Patreon donate money to me. They are truly a lusty bunch of folks. So I would like to thank you, Mark. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Avis. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Jame. And thank you, Marion. You are all just the best, and might I add, quite sexy looking, too. Now, folks, we move on to RPG prompts, and we've got some pretty good ones this time around. Our first one is scam. And there are a lot of ways you can run scams in RPGs. Now, you can run them in fantasy campaigns by scamming somebody into thinking, oh, well, we're going to take your money and we'll go explore this dungeon, and then we'll come back and split the loot with you. Well, of course, you don't. Or you can scam them into buying potions or magic items or things or jewels, whatever, that aren't quite as good as they think. Possibly by using illusions to make things look a little better than they should be. In a pulp campaign, you could have the scam be something the bad guys are doing. They're making a bunch of millionaires invest money in, I don't know, taking gold from seawater. And that's all a big fake. And your folks go to investigate it. You could have them scamming somebody out of money for an expedition. And then the expedition disappears. So your good guys go looking to see, was this a scam? Well, maybe it was a scam. Or maybe this expedition went somewhere they weren't quite prepared to go. You could also do scams in modern sort of RPGs. You can... Do them in games where you're running a intelligence operation. Uh, of course, scams in the supernatural are all over the place, and they have been for hundreds of years. You could do scams of a, you know, military nature where somebody's, you know, going to sell something to the military as a big weapon, but it's not really the weapon they think. A lot of ways to do scams. A lot of ways to part people from their money. A lot of ways to scam people for political purposes, as we all know, because we had a guy get elected president who was a fucking scam artist from the beginning, and he scammed a whole bunch of stupid people, and hopefully soon Mr. Trump will be going to jail. Anyway, there are a lot of ways to scam people out of whatever, and you should run some scams in your games from time to time just to keep everybody on their toes. 
our next RPG prompt is cold. And cold could be just the environment where you are. It could be an emotional state amongst a group of people you meet. Uh, high elves might be kind of cold to pretty much everybody else. Cold could be the spell you're using or in pulp, which we need to get to. It could be a weapon that shoots cold. I believe Doc Savage encountered one of those. Could just be something that's cold, like liquid nitrogen, which you don't want to fuck around with. Could be the common cold. If we're using just the word cold, could be something worse than the common cold. One thing you can have that nobody ever seems to deal with in most games is the fact that cold leads to hypothermia. Characters, especially in fantasy RPGs, tramp around through the cold all the time. Oh, I've got boots of warmth or something. Yeah, well, maybe those keep your feet warm, but they don't keep the rest of you warm. You know, people should be dropping dead in fantasy and other campaigns. Happens in pulp, too. You know, oh, yeah, we've got our parkas. We're out trudging through the cold. Yeah, but nobody ever, you know, loses a finger or toes to frostbite or anything like that. Of course, these are games, and we're not trying to be too realistic. But still, the ravages of cold are vastly underplayed in most games, except maybe science fiction if you're out in space and something happens to your ship. So give a thought to including cold more in your stories. And now we move on to the next and final RPG prompt, which is mountains. And mountains can pop up in any genre, whatever. You could be 007 skiing down a mountain, getting shot at by Soviet troops or whatever. You could be the pulp explorers up in the Andes or the Himalayas or the Rockies, wherever, looking for something. Of course, fantasy characters go up in the mountains all the time. They have to fight all sorts of creatures, dragons and trolls and stuff like that. Westerns going up into the Rockies to take the cattle to their summer feeding grounds or whatever. Mountains can be symbols of ancient days. They can be symbols of age and wisdom, whatever. There could be the old man of the mountain who you have to go see or the guru who's up there in a cave somewhere who has just exactly the right information to help your pulp characters along. There could be unknown creatures living up there that you've been assigned to go investigate. And maybe one of these creatures is seemingly helping the bad guys to do something. Oh, look, it's a yeti and he's helping these kidnappers or whatever, except he's not really a yeti. It's a robot, or it's somebody dressed up as a Yeti, although it could be a Yeti. Mountains are perilous to travel in. You need to climb. You need to follow trails. You need to watch out for all sorts of large predators. If you get up above the tree line, there's a lot of chance for landslides, rocks falling down, who knows what. So, yeah, mountains are a big part of any game. It should be. And... Make sure you have some good mountain ranges in your worlds for whatever you're playing and enjoy them. Now we move on to a three-box pulp problem. And this is a good one, folks. I pulled this out and I thought, yeah, okay, this I can work with. 
the prompts, the tags I pulled out of the boxes are Lost World, Nazis, and Alias. So that's just, you know, right in the pulp wheelhouse there. you got a Lost World. There are Nazis involved. You could go on from there. But then you toss in Aliens. So let's figure out how this works. First of all, somebody's found a lost world. It doesn't need to be one with dinosaurs. It could be a lost world with ancient Romans, crusaders, explorers who sailed up a river and found themselves in a place they couldn't get out of or didn't want to get out of. Whatever the case, there's usually some reason why they're there. There's usually something of value in a lost world in pulp games and in pulp stories. And sure enough, if there's something weird out there and valuable, the goddamn Nazis are going to be looking for it. But this time, you are racing there against the Nazis, or you're trying to get to where your lost compatriots are in this part of the world. And maybe you start to figure out that there's something very strange about this particular lost world. For instance, it's hidden. It shouldn't exist where it is. It's in the middle of the damn Sahara Desert or the Australian Outback or even the southwestern U.S. in a desert. And yet, when you step across a certain line, here's this tropical paradise or this lush woodland from northern Europe or something. Completely out of place. And when you step back across that line, you can't see it anymore. So there's some sort of illusion or force field or it's a pocket dimension, or something like that. And then you find out that, oh oh maybe these people living here aren't as human as they look like. Maybe there's something about their eyes, maybe the shape of their ears, maybe the things they eat. And it suddenly dawns on you that these people are not of this earth. Meanwhile, you got to deal with the Nazis, who are also here, and doing what Nazis do, they're going to try and enslave these people or kill them off or capture them for study by assholes like Dr. Mengele or something like that. And you're racing against time to help these aliens to fight off the Nazis. Or maybe both you and the Nazis find out that these aliens aren't what they seem at all. Maybe they're waiting to get some fine human flesh to eat. Or maybe they want to enslave you. Or maybe they want to watch you fight. Or any number of things that you weren't expecting. Do you suddenly have to work with the Nazis to get the hell out of here? Do you decide to side with the aliens and say, hey, you know, them Nazis, damn good eating. Or do you do something else? So how you work it, I'd like to know about it. But that's a lost world with Nazis and aliens. And in two weeks, I'll be back with another three-box pulp problem. Now we move on to commentary. And this is a commentary I was going to do about a month or so ago. And it dawned on me one day that the human brain is a damn strange thing. Not necessarily the brain itself, but the mind. Although sometimes it's the brain that gets in on it. And this dawned on me when I realized that I'm of an age where I forget things a little more often than I used to. And I also remembered that 
besides forgetting things like little things, like where did I put my tea, I remember tons of things that happened a long time ago. And one of the big things that we all remember are song lyrics. I know the lyrics to probably a thousand songs, maybe more. And most of you know the lyrics to hundreds and hundreds of songs, many of which you heard as a small child. They're stuck in your brain. You can pop them up at a moment's notice. And yet, you can't find your car keys. Or you forget somebody's name. How the hell does that work? I mean, there are psychologists and neuroscientists and stuff that I'm sure can explain all of that, but I can't figure it out. The brain, the mind is just a weird place. Another thing about the human mind is that there are things that uh, afflict certain people, like face blindness, where people who known you all your life cannot remember your face. And when, if they have to go just by your face, they won't know who you are. I had one friend who had that problem. We did not know what it was, because this was many, many years ago before anybody ever even discussed stuff like this. But I found out that he could not remember people's faces. What he did was remember how people dressed, and more importantly, he remembered people's voices. He may not know what your face looked like from one moment to the next, but he could spot your voice in a crowded room, which explains why he would walk up to me from across a room at a party and say, hey, Doc, how's it going? And not really recognize my face when he looked out at all these people's faces. It's strange. It's a mental thing. It's a neurological thing. But once again, it's the brain, the mind doing weird stuff. Another thing that happens that concerns memory is how memory changes and how different people remember things. You would think that everybody would remember an event exactly the way it happens. You know, there are events that my sister and I, and we're only a little bit less than two years apart, events that we were at when we were children that we remember quite differently. There are the memories of a friend getting bucked off a horse. I remember it one way. My sister remembers it a bit differently. The weather of that particular day is the one of the big sticking points. I remember it being cloudy. My sister remembers it being sunny. Now, it wasn't super cloudy, so maybe she was standing in the sun and I was standing in the shade of a cloud. I don't know, but there you have it. People have different memories of the same thing. Another thing with some people, and I include myself in this, is that we have imaginations that never stop. Absolutely never stop. I never stop, you know, I mean, there are moments when I'm doing something, that I'm concentrating on something that, yeah, things don't pop into my head. But the moment I'm not doing anything, the moment I'm just staring off into space, boom, shit starts appearing in my mind. Doclopedia topics and, and weird names and folk song lyrics and all sorts of stuff pops into my head. That's one of the reasons I did my blog. To do, as the late, great George Carlin once said, get shit out of my head to make room for new shit. And that's how it is. You know, I know people who are creative, and that happens to all of them. They finish one thing, and boom, they start in on the 15 things they thought of before they started writing or modeling or doing whatever they were doing before. 
human brains, the human mind, very strange place. It would be an interesting place to set an adventure of some sort where you go into somebody's mind and you have to deal with all the weirdness that's in the average human mind. Yeah, just something that occurred to me that I thought I wanted to talk about. The human brain, very strange thing. Alrighty, folks, I would like to thank you for listening today. It means a lot to me. And if you have any suggestions, comments, or questions, I can be reached on Facebook, where I am Doc Cross, on WordPress at the Dockerverse blog, which I encourage you to go read, via email at agentroscoe at gmail.com. If you are listening via Anchor, you are uh, months behind this episode, but you can leave me a voicemail there. If you are listening on the Patreon page, you may leave a comment and they will send me an email and I'll get back to you ASAP. If you would like to sponsor this podcast or advertise on it or just get rid of some of your excess money by giving it to me, please get in touch with me by any of the methods I mentioned earlier. Our music was Greaser by Track Tribe off of Google Music. And this podcast and everything on it except the music is copyright 2022 by Doc Cross. I want to thank you all again for listening. I will see you all later. Live long and prosper.